Yo, what's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 50 of Crime and Court USA, episode 50, baby. Almost to 100. Not really. When I think about how it's only halfway to 100, it's like, damn, 100 is a lot of episodes. You know what? 50 is cool, nonetheless. I'm glad we got here. Welcome. How are you guys doing? I appreciate you being here. I'm your host, Mundo Cario. I'm recording this on January 24th, 2024. I hope you guys are doing well. All right, well, I actually have a lot to talk about this week. I had to for the big 5-0, right? So let's just jump right into it. So Alec Baldwin has been indicted again on manslaughter charges. So if you guys recall, let's just go through the whole story again. So back in October of 2021, Baldwin was filming a Western called Rust on the Bonanza Creek Ranch near Santa Fe. He was the star and a producer in the movie, and they were rehearsing a scene in a church where he was, I guess, doing like a quick draw and pointing it at the camera. And as he was rehearsing that, the gun went off and it hit the cinematographer, Helena Hutchins, in the chest. It went through her and hit the director, Joel Souza, in the shoulder. Hutchins actually died, and Souza was treated at the hospital and later released. And some months after that, Baldwin was charged with manslaughter, as was the armorer, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, who was only 24 at the time of the incident. Assistant Director Dave Halls, he was charged with negligent use of a deadly weapon. He pleaded guilty to that. That's only a misdemeanor, and he received six months of unsupervised probation, which basically means that, you know, he basically wasn't allowed to get in any kind of trouble for six months, and that's about it. So yeah, obviously the big deal here was someone got shot on set. That's someone's fault. A lot of it's on the armor. Gutierrez reach. It was her job to make sure that no live rounds were on the set at all. But lo and behold, the gun went off and it hit Hutchins. And they were both charged with manslaughter. The charges against Alec Baldwin were dropped in April because the prosecutors said that they needed more time to investigate. We don't know exactly what new information they have now. Uh, an indictment, like the actual document doesn't have a lot of information. It just says, like, Alec Baldwin is charged with manslaughter, right? So, again, we just don't know what new information they have. It'll be interesting to see as the, as the trial goes on, as the case goes on, what that information is. In his defense, in his own defense, he has said that he did not pull the trigger, although a forensic analysis came back and said that the trigger had to have been pulled for that gun to have gone off, so... That's kind of an expert witness kind of going against him. That's going to be used against him at trial. So we'll see how well that holds up. I, I think, obviously, that the the strongest case is against the armor. It, it was her job. Alec Baldwin was told that there was no live rounds in that gun. So he was, I guess, putting a stressor. Did he pull the trigger? Maybe. I guess that's probably going to be what they're going to try to prove. That might be a little difficult because that's going to rely mostly, probably, I would assume, on the ex, like some kind of gun expert testifying that the gun had to, or that trigger had to have been pulled for it to have gone off. By the way, just a quick aside, I love when a lawyer tries to cross examine an expert, like a scientific expert like that, because it doesn't go too well. Like the, uh, the expert will say something all smart, and the lawyer will be like, okay, I don't like thinking of something smart to come back with, but they just can't do it. <laughs> Anyways, what am I talking about? So yeah, so that that's going on. That, that's the news there, guys. Is Alec Baldwin is charged with manslaughter once again in the death of Felina Hutchins. By the way, they finished filming the movie. 
I would have thought they would have never done that again. They finished filming it in Montana, I believe, with the same direct, a lot of the same cast and crew, actually. Joel Souza came back to direct it and everything. They said they did it as a tribute to Helena. Also previously, I'm sure I talked about this, how a wrongful death suit was settled with her and her family. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Again, I don't know how strong the case is against him. We'll see as it, as it goes on. But I guess if you shoot somebody, no matter who you are, and they die, you're probably going to get charged with manslaughter. Whether or not the case is strong enough, we'll see. But I guess the charges are warranted. I, I've, yeah, I mean, I've kind of changed my tune on that. Honestly, I felt like charges maybe weren't warranted against him in the first place. But I don't know. But these guys pull triggers all the time. See, I'm so torn on this. Like, I, I think it's a Hollywood thing. Really, like, why were they using real guns in the first place? I, there was even a possibility of them shooting a real bullet, you know? Like, you guys make dinosaurs and whatever else look real, but you can't make guns look real. So, I think that's changing now. I think they're probably going to use fake guns from here on out. I, I hope. I mean, we don't want someone else to get shot. That be, that movie better be good. <laughs> oh, it's probably not. It's probably, Apparently, it was, like, kind of low-budget bare bones kind of movie i don't know it's supposed to go straight to netflix i don't know i hope it's good now <laughs> it better be oh anyways let's move on so there was a really really bad what has been described as a reign of terror up in the chicago area so a young guy 23 year old romeo nance killed eight people at four different crime scenes in the joliet illinois area on sunday police say he knew all the victims and that the victims all appeared to be related and uh, that Nance was related to most of them as well. There's still no motive or anything like that. He actually died in a shootout with police. I'm sorry, he died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound in the confrontation with police in Texas on Monday night. So between Sunday and Monday, he had made it over or almost 1,200 miles to Natalia, Texas, which is southwest of San Antonio. So police say he was able to steal a license plate while in Texas in an attempt to dodge the authorities, but uh, I guess wasn't so successful. U.S. Marshals spotted him, and um, a, a conflict ensued. So those victims have been identified as 38-year-old Christine Esters, 47-year-old Tamika Nance, 35-year-old William Esters II, 31-year-old Joshua Nance, 20-year-old Alexandria Nance, a 16, a, a 16-year-old girl, and a 14-year-old girl who... I guess were not, not identified, probably because they were minors. Again, no rhyme or reason to this. Apparently, the crime scenes were horrible, according to the police chief in Joliet. Just he used to think he said like the worst crime scene he's ever seen. So yeah, I mean that's a lot of just eight people dead. I mean that's a lot of people, especially all family members like that. And to not know why he did this is pretty wild, and I, it sucks because the family of the victims may never get answers. As to why he snapped like that, obviously. Mental illness and guns are a hell of a mix. In fact, there was not even any word, as far as I could tell, on what kind of gun was used. So, I don't know. For about a day or so, looks like he was on the loose, considered armed and dangerous, obviously. So, that has come to an end. But, again, we'll never know the motive, probably. There was no mention of a note or anything. I'm sure the price still investigating. They might find something that might give a clue. But, as of right now, just a few days later, not much to go on. Okay, so th- I think this is kind of the big story of the week, and that is the La- Los Angeles Innocence Project is looking in to the Scott Peterson case. Do you remember the Scott Peterson case? It was 
back in 2002, Christmas Eve of 2002, his 27-year-old wife, Lacey Peterson, as she was eight months pregnant with their son, uh, she disappeared, and then her body was found in the San Francisco Bay in April of 2003. Mr. Peterson was charged and convicted of first-degree murder for killing Lacey and of second-degree murder for killing the unborn son. He was given the death penalty, but that sentence was later altered to life in prison after some kind of legal mumbo-jumbo, for <laughs> lack of a better word, involving the jury. Basically, is I don't know. I didn't really get that deep into it, but it was changed. He's serving life in prison as we speak right now. So prosecutors at trial said that Lacey had found out that Scott was having an affair with somebody and that he basically had to kill her because of that. And uh, yeah, it was a little shady because he was actually fleeing to Mexico, it looked like. <laughs> when he was arrested, he was, uh, I think, near San Diego on his way to Mexico, he had dyed his hair and was using his brother's ID and everything, so he was definitely incognitas and trying to flee. So not a great look. However, the Innocence Project, I have a quote here. This is, comes from a court filing, but I, I got this from ABC News. It says, New evidence now supports Mr. Peterson's long-standing claim of innocence and raises many questions into who abducted and killed Lacey and Connor Peterson. So... A former fire investigator also came forward to ABC News, I guess, after this news broke out, and said that he investigated a van that was less than a mile near the home that was found burned out, and there was blood on a mattress in that van. He's he's came forward to ABC News and said and urged investigators to sort of relook at the relook at that blood and test it for DNA. Now, I guess not too long ago, part of of that mattress was tested for Lacey's DNA, but didn't come back uh, positive for it. But the the LAIP, the Los Angeles Innocence Project, is now saying that they should probably go back and look with enhanced DNA testing and really try to, definitive, to definitively find out if that blood is Lacey's blood. Now, I think that van was seen in front of their house a day before she disappeared, so that, that could tie it to a... Hold on, let me look that up. Yeah, so... There are reports of an orange van spotted across the street from Scott and Lacey Peterson's home around that time that Lacey vanished on Christmas Eve 2002. Got that from a News Nation article. So, yeah, so very, I guess, some lingering questions about this van that was lingering around the couple's home, and it looks like someone burned out the van with a bloody mattress in it. Someone was trying to get rid of some evidence. So, very interesting. Very, very interesting. That is a, a, bl- a burned-out van with the bloody mattress inside near a spot where a woman got abducted and was later found dead or she was found dead um in a in a bay very very suspicious sus as the kids say so interesting i i I don't know i mean we'll see what the courts have to say about this if it's even sort of legal for them to kind of go back to this case and look for it based on this because I they did test it before so let's see what kind of legal standing they'll have to test it again in order to exonerate him but this is what they do this is what the innocence project does they're a non-profit group that uh tries to exonerate the wrongfully convicted so that if they're taking this on you figure there's maybe a chance that it's strong enough <laughs> to exonerate him wouldn't that be wild because i do remember this do you guys remember this was sort of one of those cases that sort of you know, gripped the nation. You know, we were all kind of paying attention. Where's Lacey Peterson? What about Scott? What did he do? Oh, well, God, he killed her, like, kind of stuff. So it was a big, big case. I remember this. 
I remember this big time. So if it turns out years later that he may not have done it. Wow. Wow, that'd be huge. That'd be huge. Certainly we'll keep an eye on that. So stay posted. All right. So I do have to mention this. The mother of a school shooter from Oxford High School uh, back in November 2021, her trial for involuntary manslaughter started on Tuesday. And this marks the first time that a parent of a school shooter has faced involuntary manslaughter charges. So, yeah, like I said, back in November of 2021, Ethan Crumley brought a gun to his high school, killed four students, and in the days after or in the ensuing investigation his parents admitted that in the days before the shooting they actually bought him the gun so yeah they got both got charged with manslaughter guess they're having separate trials so she's up first yeah so they just started on tuesday it'll probably last a few weeks a couple weeks maybe we won't have a verdict on that for a while unless something happens so keep an eye on that that's interesting that might set a precedent going forward like i said she is the first to be charged for manslaughter for charges relating to their kid. I know that's a push that many states are trying to make to try to hold parents responsible for school shooting. I know there's one called Benny's Law here in New Mexico. There was a kid, uh, a middle school, it happened at a middle school where a kid shot another kid and they, um, I believe they charged the father of the shooter. And Or no, they, I don't know what they did because they, they created a law named Benny's Law. Benny was the name of the victim. So I think now it's a law in New Mexico. So, and this is, this is becoming a, a precedent, I think. So we'll see um, if, if it has any standing in the court. So we'll see what, what happens to this woman. I don't know. I, I guess I haven't been paying too much attention to this one in particular to really know how this one's going to go. Buying your son a gun and then he uses that gun to go commit a horrible atrocity. Are you responsible for manslaughter? Basically, manslaughter being your actions led to people's deaths. Your actions led to those four children's deaths. I don't know. I mean, yes, but no. We'll see. We'll see what the jury thinks. So the Uvalde report came out. Remember the Uvalde school shooting? I try to not remember that. But that was the one that took place in May of 2022. So many students and a couple of teachers died at Uvalde, or I'm sorry, Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. It was horrible. The, the shooter used an assault rifle. It was really one that shook the nation very, very badly. Anyway, so the Department of Justice recently released a report uh, five, like over 500 pages. Nothing too new. Just saying that, uh, yeah, the cops messed up, that they should have got in there a lot sooner. They waited outside of the classroom for 77 minutes before they got in there. That's all. Oh, it's way too long. They could have watched a movie in that amount of time. Don't call these guys if you need help, right? So, yeah, they basically said, yeah, you guys screwed up. They, they laid out their whole investigation. So not too much there. However, However, the district attorney in that area of that county, Christina Mitchell, has convened a special grand jury to look into the case, to, to look into possible criminal charges into those officers who did not act. So that'd be interesting. She didn't specify what this grand jury would be looking at specifically. So the grand jury proceedings are secret. The DA's certainly not going to talk about them at all. They, you know, it's supposed to be this whole secret process, right? It's nothing's supposed to be spoken about it until an actual indictment comes out but this jury is expected to look at this for about six months so we're not going to know anything for at least six months a lot to look over i suppose but possible possible charges coming for police officers in this case maybe they should be because they didn't 
act. <laughs> I mean, there's got to be some accountability other than just getting fired, you know? That's horrible. I'll keep you posted in six months. All right, so let's get to the Trump block. <laughs> there's always something to say about Trump. Politically, he's doing fine. Of course, he just won the New Hampshire primary. Probably going to slide on into that GOP nomination, but just to kind of keep you guys posted on his criminal cases, Fannie Willis, who is the top prosecutor on his Georgia election interference case, she is apparently romantically involved with the prosecutor in that case, the main prosecutor, and people believe that they should recuse themselves of that case. She doesn't think so, or her office doesn't think so. Meh, I don't know. That's not really, that's just whatever, you know? But the funnier thing... <laughs> <laughs> is that he warned the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, of Bedlam if he doesn't allow his name on the Colorado ballot. If you guys recall, the Colorado Supreme Court kicked him off their little primary ballot because they found that he committed insurrection and therefore can't run for president. So he's saying that if you don't, if he's, he's now he's telling the Supreme Court that um, there will be Bedlam, <laughs> there will be mayhem if you don't overturn that. He's probably right, but he's probably going to start it He's probably going to tell him to go run up on the Capitol or whatever he's going to do. Make it worse this time. <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah. That's about it. <laughs> All right. Thank you to the Patreon supporters. Daniel, Tony, Andres, and Emily. I really appreciate you guys. I appreciate all of you out there listening. Until next time, my name is Mundo, and I'm out. Peace. <laughs>